Hi, I'm Heather, the founder of Soul Space and your host for A Space for Soul. If you're new here, a little bit about me. I'm a business owner for over eight years, mom of two, wife, daughter, friend, don't forget for a mom. And you could say I'm juggling a lot while I'm chasing my babies and my dreams. The truth is I've learned a lot too, and I'm here to share it with you. Tune in every other Wednesday to hear myself and our lovely guest dish about motherhood, entrepreneurship, relationships, and tips about how to navigate the transition from me to mama. It's by far the hardest transition I've made to date, but the good news is if you're here, you don't have to do it alone. Each episode, I'm letting it all hang out. Yes, all of it. Imagine the pretty, the messy bun, the too tight for my skinny jeans, because that's what girlfriends do. Welcome to A Space for Soul. I'm excited to share mine with you. Happy March, everyone. We are back for another episode of season three. Welcome to anyone that is new here. So excited to have you tuning in. This is going to be a really special episode with a guest we've had on three times, I realize. She is a trifecta over here. Emily Brown of Genetic Garden um, is going to be joining us to talk about the psychology between sleep, stress, food, and your family. So obviously we are in a somewhat stressful situation still. Sleep um, as a parent is always a guess. It's kind of 50-50. Even if your kids are sleeping, sometimes you're not. Um, So bringing on Emily to really break down um, a little deeper into sleep. You know, we obviously know, um, and on our, our coming episode on the 17th when that launches, um, that we are going to have a sleep expert on that's going to talk about adult and baby sleep, um, a pediatric nurse. But today I really wanted to start with like the, the psychology and the actual body, um, functions behind it. Like how does it really like internally affect you? And then we'll go into really how can you externally manage sleep and get good sleep. So it's a kind of a two-parter with two different experts. And I'm really excited because National Sleep Awareness Week is coming up and kicking it off with Emily. Like I said, um, she is the founder of Genetic Garden. She's an integrative and functional nutrition practitioner, epigenetics expert, and Pilates pro as quoted in Goop. Gwyneth loves her. And she developed Genetic Garden program based on the fact that every human body is unique. And in order to achieve results, we must understand the whole picture. That goes into food sensitivities, energy levels, sleep habits, stress levels, like today's episode, hormones, exercise, and obviously DNA. She is very about you and your environment um, and making it something that is sustainable for you and a really, really unique approach. Um, and I love it because she'll do cannibal, but she also really provides resources. So this is something that you can funnel down to your whole family. Um, and we really dig into that today on the episode. So um, on episode 13, when she first joined us, we really just dived into DNA nutrition. And then episode 20, we went into hormones. And today we're really going to dive into stress, sleep, and your food and your family. So it's really crazy how, and you know, also not when you hear her break it down, because she breaks it down so simply. Um, it's nutrition is so tied to sleep and same with our gut. And she has some pretty big mic drops in this episode that I love. Um, and really just talks about how food dictates so much, so, so much. We go into how, um, 
it can imbalance yourself um, and can affect sleep and stress levels. How um, in the beginning of pregnancy, it is really setting your children up for how their body is going to, you know, crave and accept different foods and, and all of those things. And even getting into um, dinner time and how that can affect sleep and stress. So I'm really pumped. I can't wait to have her on. We are going to get her in here to chat away. Um, And of course, we talk about Oreos in this episode because that's Emily and my little special thing. So let's get in here. Um, She also has a Hormone Academy launching. This woman is supporting women across the world, whatever stage you're in in life. And I'm so excited. So I know I've said like 10 times, but I really am. I could talk about her all day. I'm going to shut up now and bring her on because that's who you want to hear from. And I'm really, really excited to share all of her genius with you. Oh my goodness, Emily. I'm so excited to have you back to talk about the genetics of sleep girlfriend. How are you doing? It's lovely to be back, Heather. Thanks for having me. I feel honored to be a three-peat I on know. Soul Space. Yeah. I'm like, okay, a trifecta. This is going to be like the mega episode. I can't even handle it. All uh, things we're talking about today, sle- sleep, stress, these are so vital right now. Everyone is in a hyper-stressed environment impacting their sleep and just their overall well-being. So I think it's it's a poignant topic and I'm really happy to hopefully spread some good actionable tips through today. Yes. Oh my gosh. We have so much great stuff to share with our listeners. I'm so excited. Um, I know it's been a while since we've been eating treats and talking about Oreos, although (laughs) I did have Girl Scout cookies this morning in your honor. I felt like it's kind of our tradition. (laughs) There you go. (laughs) Um, But since it's been a while since we've had you on, um, for our new listeners and those that may not remember, tell us a little bit about you and Genetic Garden. All right. So I'm the founder and CEO of Genetic Garden. Um, I'm a functional nutritionist whose background in psychology, epigenetics, which is the influence of your environment on your genes, um, functional nutrition, and exercise physiology. So I take a person's whole picture. That means their lifestyle preferences, their daily habits, uh, their hormones are really important here. And we come up with custom wellness plans that include nutrition, movement, some sort of exercise component. And all of this is based on their goal. So that's always the first step. We figure out what their motivations are, what they want to achieve. And then we really work backwards to create little actionable steps daily to help them accomplish that. I love it so much. Um, And I know on episode 20, we dig a lot into hormones and on 13, it was really about like the DNA in your nutrition. And we're kind of bringing it even deeper now talking about how it's affecting sleep and digging into stress. And it just shows the layers of the work you do and how specific it can get, which um, I just, I just love so much how you tie it all together. And the one thing that you said in your intro that I love so much too, is you take a person's environment. So it's not just like, Hey, this is the new diet you have to be on. This is the new lifestyle you have to have. This is all the workouts you have to do. It's like, okay, this is how your body's made up. And correct me if I'm wrong, but this is how your body's made up. This is how your lifestyle is. Let's kind of interweave everything so that it works well together and you can optimize where you're at. That's it. No, that's, Heather, you nailed it. That's exactly right. And that's the huge importance of taking a personalized approach for someone because their environment and all these little factors that make you, you and distinct from me 
matter because that's why there's no one diet for someone. That's why maybe I shouldn't exercise first thing in the morning without eating. And maybe you can. That's why sometimes, you know, people have different preferences in terms of the meal composition that works for them and it doesn't work for their husband. There's bio-individuality and finding those out, those hormones and all those personalized factors can really make a huge impact and take all the guesswork out of figuring out what's right for you. Yes. Um, so today let's break down stress, sleep, and your food and kind of the factors that affect sleep. Cause I know okay, sometimes what you're eating might be it or your bedtime, but there's so much more that you've shared just kind of in our initial conversations where I was like, okay, mind blown. Um, so <laughs> let's kind of dig into what is, what is, you know, stress and how does sleep get affected with stress and other elements? Okay. Then let's, let's get, get, get by the way. <laughs> So, yes, put me yes, in. Put me like, in. just so okay. everyone knows, like, we're on video, and I just started like, okay, like, we're doing <laughs> yes, like the whole like power moves. So good. I'm highly impassioned over here. Um, okay, so let's first address what stress is because it's such a nebulous term. And how many times has somebody told you like, just calm down, just stop being so stressed? Well, we are in such a hyper-stimulated environment that everything, every ping, every tweet, every like, every time the TV screen changes, that increases our heart rate and our stress response. So it's really ubiquitous. It's everywhere and it's unavoidable. And what stress does in the body is it creates just confusion and kind of chaos. Your, your hormones can't signal properly. Um, you can't really get into that restful mode where all the good stuff happens like muscle building and um, proper sleep. So it's really about taking some actionable steps to actively participate in stress reduction. Um, but so what contributes to stress is very personal. Just like we talked about before, your triggers are different from my triggers. And that's why it's really important to either take note of them of yourself or work with somebody who can help you figure out those triggers. But they range from poor sleep, low nutrition, low calories, so undernourishment, overexercising, and then what we what we typically think of is the mental and psychological stress. All of those are stressful on the body. Now when you have more and more of those, it creates more stress hormones. Everybody hears the big cortisol one. So that's low-grade inflammation, and that's really where that chaos and confusion comes into play. And that's when you just don't feel well. You can feel things just, you know, nothing's working efficiently. Maybe you're exercising and you feel like your diet's pretty spot on, and it's, you're just not achieving what you're after, whether it's, whether it's good sleep, whether that's energy, whether that's just keeping up with the kids. So altogether, the more of those stress contributors you have, the more that starts to create cravings like salt and sugar and alcohol and calorie dense foods. And then when you start to have those, you fall victim to your cravings and you have those things, then that perpetuates poor sleep. So you can really create this cycle that you fall into. And that's why understanding your triggers is so vital so that you can really anticipate them. For example, like if moms have, if they know every morning is just madness, it's pure chaos in the house, and they're always feeling like they're trying to catch up 
Well, up goes their stress threshold and all of those stress hormones forget losing weight at that point when you have that much chaos in the body. So what you can do if you understand morning time is your uh, is your chaos, then you pre-make your own breakfast at night, make a chia pudding and anticipate the, the stressful situations to prevent them, kind of mitigate what those effects would be. So, um, you know, when you wake up and stressed and you've allowed those stress hormones to take over, you're now thinking with your reptilian part of your brain that all it wants is sugar, sleep, and sex. And there goes your frontal lobe that enables you to make good decisions. So you're really outside of your own control. So it's so important to understand how to kind of disrupt the cycle. And if you haven't slept well, let's not fall victim to that again. So what can you do to interrupt the cycle? You get a nice set of movement in the morning. Fatiguing your muscles is really good to help you sleep that next night. You get some sun first thing in the morning right into those eyeballs. It really helps set that circadian rhythm and that sleep rhythm um, and, and set up a routine. This is so important for the body and the brain. And um, it helps to prime the whole sleep cascade that we're after. So my advice is really to do a one week journal of things that trigger you, of things that um, help you mitigate those triggers and to really figure out where your weaknesses are and how to prevent them. So you can do that on your own, do that with a practitioner, but it's so important to figure out your specific triggers. Wow. I'm like sitting here processing so much of that because you basically just talked about my entire life, including <laughs> eating just at breakfast because... I either eat my kids leftovers or I'm having like apple cider vinegar and then coffee. And then I'm like eating a snack at 1030 or something. And I literally mm -hmm. was the girl for so long that would always preach. Like you have to start your metabolism in the morning. You have to start your metabolism in the morning. And now I'm like sitting here basically skipping meals, like the low calorie thing. I'm like, oh my gosh, that's probably ironically where I am, where I'm like so low in the morning and then I'm like slamming. Yes. Yeah. So what happens in that situation is when you've woken up, you have low um, low nourishment, you fasted yeah. and your hormones, the thyroid and all of these good hormones require protein and fat to be made. And so if you wake up now, you're kind of stimulated, you're stressed, the kids are running around and then you have coffee, another stimulant, and then you have to get moving to go chase them around. Now you're pulling energy from an empty reservoir and you haven't given your body the tools to create those energy producing hormones. So having that substantial breakfast is actually really a, a really positive thing for somebody who is in a stressful environment. You know, we are, our signals are actually very strong from our stomach up to our brain. And most people think your brain dictates everything in your body and it does, but the signals first come from your stomach. So you have the ability through food to either tell your body, let's have a emotionally stable day or let's have shit hit the fly off the roller coaster. <laughs> yes, yes. You know, you can have, you can create sort of like a, addictive behaviors and perpetuate mood instability. All of those things come from your food. So anytime you sit down to have a meal, you can set those good cascades or the negative cascade. Wow. And that's really, so I'm going to break it down starting from like pregnancy and going into toddlerhood, but I love what you just said that too, because that makes me think about even just the toddler food challenges with my son. It's like, 
set, and I know nutrition is important to them, but really like setting up even their mood for the day, obviously navigating the pickiness and stuff like that. But that was just kind of like a light bulb as well. Um, go ahead. Oh, for sure. For sure. It's, they, they run on the same wiring as us. And so it yeah. is so important. And I setting up those routines are just as important for them as it is for us because foods like, you know, naked carbohydrates, the, the processed foods that are kind of empty calories or don't have a lot of nutrient density for us and for kids, they can either kind of perpetuate those spikes and those really high anxiety, um, excitatory neurons. So you can, uh, the whole household, if you have kind of a nutrient empty breakfast, then you start peaking, 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 everyone's irritable and anxious and have it has a short fuse, or you can set everyone up for success by having those, that, that balanced meal of protein, fat, and fiber, and give everyone some time release energy. That's much more stable, manageable, kind of going from a roller coaster down onto a little kitty style ride, like lower those peaks and valleys and bring everyone on a collective energy. I love that. Um, so speaking of starting at like the beginning, so prior to having children, um, you know, I always heard like what you crave and eat during your row will transfer to the kids. And I was kind of like, all right, yeah, maybe. I mean, but both of my kids, and I know people may feel differently about drinking kombucha during pregnancy, but I drink it. My kids are fine. I loved <laughs> it. I also craved pickles only during pregnancy. I'm not a big pickle person normally. Um, and my kids literally are obsessed. So I guess my question is, did I really make McFlurry loving, kale loving, butternut squash kombucha addicts? Like, is that a whole thing? There is a lot of correlation there. So what, what really the science points to is it's all about exposure. Um, the more variety you expose your kids to both in utero and through breastfeeding, that you, you open up their their exposure to all of these varieties in foods and flavors and tastes. And so that will make them, so they've, they've done studies, for example, with like carrots. So in utero and breastfeeding, a control didn't have any carrots and the babies came out and they got real upset when they were fed carrots. They were distaste, scrunched their face, hated the whole thing. But the moms who were fed a lot of carrots during utero and breastfeeding, their kids had much less distaste towards it. So it was much more palatable. And the more exposure you can have, the higher likelihood of your kids liking things, which from, you know, for from a nutritional standpoint, that's everything. Variety is everything. And so if you expose your children to a lot of things, which increases their likelihood of liking a lot of things, how much easier is that for your life as a mom in terms of decreasing pickiness and all of those things that create such big challenges? Totally. I'm literally like, oh what? my gosh, where I should have had you in pregnancy. <laughs> Not like, I mean, my daughter is pounding everything. My son is kind of like, mm, no thanks, no thanks. I'm like, you can't live on packets and <laughs> bars and fruit and like toast, which is basically what we've gotten to now. He hates yes. hamburgers all of a sudden. I'm like, I'm going to Oh no. I made like I a dinosaur egg. I called it like a dinosaur egg house. And I basically put like an egg 
inside like a, a toast cutout and then I had like blueberries and avocado and all this stuff and I'm like oh let's mix it up and yay an egg house and it was a disaster he hated oh it. no I know he oh, like no. he like dunked it in the runny I got him to eat some of the runny the yolk part so I was like okay at least you got some like yolk in you but like that's a big win <laughs> yeah right I know take, take the wins the other thing with with diet for moms like during utero that's so important is for ex you can you can manipulate your baby's genes you can manipulate the way they function for the rest of their life so if you were for example to have a very limited diet that was high in simple sugars meaning your blood sugar is kind of wacky it spikes there's a lot of insulin happening while you're pregnant you can turn down the genes that help your baby regulate blood sugar so the way you control your blood sugar is passed down. So that's an epigenetic because that's an epigenetic factor because you've already given your baby their genes, right? And there's genes that can regulate blood sugar. But what you do during your pregnancy affects the way that those genes function well or not for the rest of their life. Since blood sugar is everything, we know how it balances our hormones and our mood. We really want to set our babies up for success. And you do that through your diet in utero. And it's really powerful stuff. It is. Yeah. As if there wasn't enough pressure to like do everything <laughs> right during pregnancy. Now it's like you, you are going to affect their genes for life, girl. So you get on that. Oh my gosh. Yeah, like, I mean, you already knew that because they're yeah. your genes anyways. Yeah, exactly. <laughs> my mom's genes. I mean, um, okay. So just a total like curiosity question, speaking mm -hmm. of, kind of like things in utero that are happening and, and affecting and stuff, but on summer lately, they, they were posting that they're craving ice chips. And someone responded to them and said, this means that your body wants iron. And first I want to know, is that true? And second, if it is, what are some other weird cravings that our body can be hinting to deficiencies? Because I had a couple random ones when I was pregnant. Like I was like, I need kale. Like I need <laughs> kale. And people are like, you're craving kale for your pregnancy. And I was like, I freaking need it. And then it went to butternut squash. And then I was like obsessed with Kiwis. I had McFlurries and all the jazz in there. So it wasn't like I was just sitting here on like the health train, but I, certain things happened. So I was like, that's interesting. I wonder what those meant. And I'm very curious about the ice chips thing. Yeah, it is a funny one. It's really common that it, ice, craving ice chips, among other things, like in nu nutrient lacking things, like even it, dirt and um, things that don't con contribute I've any nutrition. Like, yes, it, you cardboard. You need to tell your doctor. Yep. It's <laughs> cardboard. It's dirt. It's um, and it's ice chips. It's called pico, which is this weird kind of OCD compulsion to have these things. But yes, it does correlate with anemia, which is low iron in your blood. And so they're kind of thinking that it's about. When you, when you have low iron, you don't have a lot of oxygen going up to your brain to give you energy and alertness. And so having the ice chip can kind of help peak the alertness and kind of offset that. Um, it's more, but other symptoms of anemia. So you can kind of, the more symptoms you have, the more you can figure out if it is in fact from iron, those would be also fatigue, poor sleep, dizziness, and then tingling in the hands, feet, or in the mouth. But it is more common, this phenomenon in um, women breastfeeding and pregnant, but also very common in vegan and vegetarians because 
there's two different kinds of iron. One is heme iron that only comes from animal products. And that's the one that our body can really bring in and really use. And so those who don't eat animal products are going to be a higher risk for this. Um, ways to offset it is to make sure you're having iron foods daily for sure and having that with vitamin C. So if you want to have some iron rich food, like a grass fed burger, maybe putting like a citrus dressing on it, um, that the vitamin C and the iron really work together to help offset these deficiencies. Some other ones, there are some, some weird ones out there, like craving salt is really common if you have any sort of hypothalamus adrenal deficiency. So this is exactly what we started the conversation with, that high stress hormone. That's why when you're stressed, how flipping good is a whole bag of like salt and vinegar chips. It's exactly <laughs> yeah. what your body's like. Give me that salt. Give me that salt. I I'm like Rose Oreos, but I totally get it. <laughs> yes. It's like, it's like, you've got that one thing where you're like, I need this. It's stress eating. Yeah. Well, you might be this next one. You might be in some, a low glutamine. So that when you have low glutamine in your body, that's what makes you crave sugar and things like alcohol. Um, this is because glutamine is a big, big controller down in your gut, but your gut also has that very strong link to your brain, the gut brain access. Um, and so you can have all sorts of things like, like fatigue, immunity issues, um, poor energy and low muscle mass when this happens. So to get your glutamine, you can have salmon, asparagus, bone broth, or for those vegetarians, vegans, having it through spirulina is really good. Um, I always like in terms of gut health, I love to tell my clients the best way to do it is to get two different fermented food sources a day. So I always start my day with a big glass of water and apple cider vinegar. That's my one. And then I always have coconut yogurt, either in my smoothie or in a little bowl. It's, it's particularly wonderful for women's health, but I mean, you just can't get any better than coconut yogurt in terms of your gut health for anyone. Okay. I love that. That probably is more what Eileen personally, um, even just hearing some of the symptoms. And it's funny that you said with the iron deficiency, some symptoms can be like dizziness, fatigue, and that it's kind of connected to anemia because I'm 99% sure I'm quoting this correctly, but I'm pretty sure that, um, I won't say which one, but the, one of the girls on summer lately that shared that, um, she is anemic. She had shared mm -hmm. and also she had passed out early in her pregnancy. Oh, and uh -huh. so, and so, and she knew that and she's aware and she's working on it and stuff, but that's so interesting that, um, that's what it's tied to. Um, yeah. I'm curious about her diet. What, what is she an animal eater? I don't know. Yeah. Um, I mean, I don't know. They should, I actually share a lot of food stuff. So I could totally tell. Mm. Um, I'm like, I'll find out. I'll be back next episode. <laughs> yeah. Unfortunately, you get a lot of that through, through things like um, liver. And uh, that's not very common in most people's yeah. diet. Um, so <laughs> I, I personally take a liver organ complex supplement because I run low in it. I run low in other things like vitamin A, the specific kind that comes from animals. So just another reason, like once you figure out your your tendencies towards your deficiencies, you can just go offset them, take, take control of it and make sure they don't, uh, you know, interrupt your life in any way. Yeah. I love it. It's super empowering, especially the, um, the full panel tests that you do and just so enlightening. Um, I know it's something that we've talked about that I want to do, and I'm excited to, mm -hmm. to do that soon. Um, and I know that I, we've had a few friends, uh, mutual friends that are working with you and they've told me like, oh my gosh, it's so incredible. And it's just really insightful to see 
where I'm lacking or what I should and shouldn't be doing and then switching their diet and feeling so good when they've eliminated certain things and added in other things. So um, I know that it's, it's just a really big educational process, but it's also just so enlightening because you look back at maybe 10, 15 years, like, oh, I've always ate blah, blah, blah. And it's actually completely <laughs> dragging me down, like totally my diet for two weeks. And I feel like a new human, which is amazing. And for every mom, if you can feel more energetic, you can feel less, less inflamed and bloated and just better about yourself in general. It's like game over. I mean, that's like, that's where the life is, you know? So <laughs> exactly. Those are, those are very, very common goals that I hear coming at me, but yeah, thank you for, thank you for saying that it's, um, I'm madly in love with what I do. And so I, I love every minute of it. I know it's been so fun to see you grow over the years of us working together and just seeing like how this has just started and where you are now. It's incredible. Um, and I'm just going to make moms fall in love with you more because next we're going to talk about dinner time <laughs> and how we can reduce the stress of that and create better sleep for the whole family. So I know, um, you know, even if like dinner time is fun and exciting and all the kids love eating, whatever, it's still such a hectic time. Cause it's basically from like <laughs> five to seven, you know, you've got to put the dinners together. And as much as I feed our kids, what we eat, they are learning things that they don't like. And I'm not going to deny that my son all of a sudden has decided he doesn't want cheese or that my daughter isn't liking onions or whatever. I'm not going to force them. So there are meals that you're, you know, pulling out different things or whatever. And then you've got cleanup and bath time and story time and, you know, stalling and running around and dance parties and all this stuff. And it's like, holy shit, like three hours just went by and I'm so tired, but now I want my time. So, um, I'm really excited to hear a little, um, about the stress reduction techniques that you recommend doing as a whole family to calm the nervous system and promote healthy sleep at dinner time instead of as like a nighttime routine. Cause that was actually a little backwards to me. I'm like, Oh, at dinner time, like that's so interesting to be part of like the nighttime bedtime routine. So um, let's dig into that. Yeah, there's a couple of reasons for that. First of all, it was just a very common complaint I was getting from my mom's like um, dinner. I just, I don't enjoy it. It's so chaotic. And it's when I'm trying to wind down, I'm trying to get kind of the collective in the house to wind down. And so instead of waiting until just before bed, when that's kind of like, you, you can't just switch on off energy. It's more of a dimmer. And so it's kind of starting planting the seed here at dinner with these, with these tips. And so what I've had my moms do at dinner with the whole family, I mean, I have, I have my moms do this routine before they get out of bed as well, but this is something you can always bring your kids into everyone's sitting around and you incorporate your, some breath work with some gratitude and there's no faster way to switch your brain from the stress response to the relaxation response than through breath and gratitude. So for either a minute or 30 seconds, taking a big inhale while you say something you're grateful for, you can have your kids say them out loud or they can keep them to themselves and then just exhaling longer than your inhale. So that, that turns on this restful side of your body, which is so important for digestion. So doing this before your meals helps you bring in the nutrients that you're, that you put in such a thoughtful meal in front of your kids and yourself. If you're distracted and you're stressed, your, 
your body actually doesn't pull those nutrients in very well. So this is not only for the mental health, but it's actually for the physiological health too, by pulling in all those good nutrients. So the psychology and the environment around your meal are just as important as the meal itself. So kind of bringing, bringing your stress response down, it's palpable, you know, your kids can feel it. And so creating an environment around intentional eating around mindful eating is so very important because they pick up on these things. So if you're sitting down, you're chaotic, you're stressed, you're, you're maybe feeling like burdensome by whoever's not eating, whatever, you know, those kinds of things are, are picked up on it and they impact a child's relationship with food forever. So bringing that nice collective energy down saying something you're grateful for. It can be about the food. If, you know, if they have a hard time thinking about something in their lives, cause I know that's kind of a deep concept, but yeah. So taking your, taking your turn, everyone go around the circle and say one big gratitude and a big giant exhale. And it's boom, it's fast. It's powerful. It's impactful. I love that so much. Cause I've been struggling with our dinner time routine. I mean, we're eating all at the same time now we're sitting together, but it has gotten, I mean, I'll be honest. It has not become like the dream. I thought of, okay, we're all going to sit down at the table. <laughs> we're going to have this magical moment. It's going to be great. There's going to be music in the background and you know, yeah, there's just something my stepdad used to always do. And I hated it as a kid. I'm like, Oh, this is so dumb. Like pick a station. I was like, I don't even care, you know? And now I look back and I'm like, Oh, you were making family time. I get it now. You know, it's but, beautiful. Yeah, he and I had a weird relationship. So I probably just didn't like anything that he did in the beginning, but like, I was like, uh, you know, and now I legit and like, I want to do that. So I love this so much. I'm for sure telling this to my husband because my three and a half year old is definitely at a place where he can understand talking about something he likes or whatever. And just, it'll just get my, my daughter in a good habit too. And just, he, we actually talk about deep breaths. Um, when he's stressed, I'm like, look in mommy's eyes, which now he always tells me when he wants to tell me something serious. He's like, look in my eyes, mommy. <laughs> oh, okay. Um, but he'll, or if I'm stressed, he's like, mommy, take a deep breath. And I was oh, like, Oh, I love it. Okay. And I'm like, Oh my gosh, I'm clearly stressed out or stressing him out. So here we go. Yeah. See, they um, can pick up on that energy, right? He does. He's yeah. intuitive. Wow. He totally is. But it's true about like the stress of like, uh, no one's eating. Like that was literally me this morning. I'm like, I'm going to be the fun mom. I'm putting a dinosaur cut out in his bread <laughs> and he's going to eat eggs today. This is the day. And it's like, no, he, I mean, it was positive because he dunked, he cut it open. He thought it was so fun. He dunked it in yolk a little bit and he ate some of it. And then he was like, I'm done. And I was sitting there like, okay. And in my head, I was like, fuck, like, I was like, oh my God, I like do everything right. And it didn't work. So like, I'm sure he felt that to a degree. And this is just a good reminder of like, A, it's all a process and B, like showing them just kind of that routine is really important. <laughs> That's, those are the moments you immediately do your own little deep breathing gratitude work in, in your head. So you can, so instead of allowing that stress response to build, 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 because yeah. There, there's no way to avoid those kinds of responses because that is 
frustrating. My mom could tell you the same. That was exactly me. I'd freak out if there was anything green on my plate. It was pasta <laughs> and butter and that's it. Get away. Oh um, yeah. Yeah. So that's maddening. But um, in, instead of allowing that stress response to build, you kind of interrupt it with those quick tips and bring it back down. So it's not quite so high peak and valley like we were talking about before. Yeah. I am um, so quick just because I know um, we've you've shared a little about like the psychology of food. What is your thought with sweets? Because I've read so many things about just like, always put it on their plate, let them try and eat it. Don't make it a thing. And then it's hard because right now my son's in a stage where he's just like, I want jelly beans for breakfast. I want a cookie. Where are my vitamin gummies? Like, yay. And he, and so it's like, I'm trying to make it not on a pedestal of like other foods. Cause he also does eat broccoli and he randomly ate like a kale salad out of the bowl, you know, and a couple of days ago. And so he does have these moments, but I'm like, I don't just, it's like, I I'm teetering on this idea of like, just serve it with every meal and like hope for the best. So what are your thoughts around like that? That is such a tricky one. That's so, that's a lot of psychology and a lot of brain chemistry because that sugar is it triggers your um your pleasure response mm -hmm. and the more you have it the more you will need to get that same response and so little bits here and there is definitely fine of course you want them to see and taste the sweetness in more natural flavors like berries and chocolate and things like that i think making sweets at home is always going to be your best bet like making your own um little gummy bears with you know, like vital proteins, beef collagen, you or gelatin, sorry, mm -hmm. you make your own with a little stevia and whatever kind of fresh fruit juice. Like I make these all the time for myself with tart cherry juice. It's a really nice way to help you sleep. And so now you've just, it's tart cherry juice, it's gelatin, which is actually very rich in that um, glutamine that you are low in. So you should have these too. <laughs> so you can, if you make your own, it's not going to have all the other artificial things that come from um, packaged things at the store. And it's those artificial things that really complicate our brain chemistry, especially as it's formulating. So that's one of those things where setting your kids up for success um, you can you start as you're young, but my, my parents, my mom had a junk drawer where, you know, I, back in our day, it was gushers. It was things like that, where we, we would have access to. And I think that's really important because if it wasn't there and you have that sense of deprivation, that's where the binging comes from. That's where that lack of control around, around food comes from. So I think it is smart to have things around. Of course, quality is the name of the game when you're talking about sweets. Yeah, that's interesting because I definitely like the idea of making more things at home and I've, I've gotten out of that. I used to make like a really fun chocolate pudding and certain things like that, which was like avocado and dates. Um, yeah. I totally want that gummy recipe. That sounds yeah. fantastic. Um, and I think, yeah, because it was, my husband and I are having, we're definitely like having a hard time with like, just have it like not a big deal. And then it just doesn't become a big deal because with him, he may just have a sweet tooth like his parents and it is kind of becoming a big deal. And I know a lot of, you know, different parenting pages has said, just like, be cool with it. And it'll, it, it's a phase. I'm like, well, it's becoming like a six month phase here. And I think you're right. Like he's getting these little surges and he likes it and he, he wants his, his sugar, you know, it and takes more and fruit. more. Yeah. He eats so much fruit. I mean, and, mm -hmm. and I've read like it's fine right now because it's supplementing certain things that he get from vegetables. And really the only vegetable I can get him to do sometimes is like 
salads and then some broccoli. But um, anyways, we don't need to have a council session yeah. on my son <laughs> eating on the podcast. We'll say oh, a lot of mimicry too, right? You got to yeah. lead by example with that one. So if you're yeah. having treats after every meal, then that's his expectation too. Yeah. I do it when he goes to bed. So he doesn't fully know my, my bad side, but he has been wanting to cook with me a lot more and I'm letting him do it. And he's, that is beautiful. Yeah. So that's, that's where we change everything by bringing them into the kitchen, get them involved in ingredients. I have some really fun games for parents to play with their kids too, that, um, have been, have been really fun from it. It helps increase fruit and vegetable variety is kind of the idea. It helps to get the rainbow in every day or every week. And it's a really fun game. I'll just give you one example. So on the, on the handout, it has all of the colors. Cause that's the idea. You want the rainbow on the right hand side, it says red and it'll show a bunch of red foods. And then on the, on the left, it says what those foods help with heart health is an example. So you could have your kids say, okay, what kind of body part do you want to strengthen today? If he says, I want to work on my heart, then you have him go from all the way to the red and find a a fruit or a vegetable. And then you'll have to incorporate that in the next week's meal, or you Mm. can go backwards. He can choose a color like yellow. And then you go over and go, okay, well, what is that going to help fortify or strengthen this week? And it's going to be your eye health and your immune health will stay healthy. So it's a fun game and it works. It really works twofold because now he's choosing foods that probably aren't on your routine shopping list. So it gets you out of your routine too. Totally. And it's giving them that control of feeling like I, I chose when I'm eating, like this is my choice, which is so the autonomy. Yes, of course. For sure. Yes. Um, Okay. So getting back to where we started with sleep, um, as many moms know, not just eating keeps them up at night. So many things keep moms up at night. I mean, I literally have so many phantom noises and, and then I wake up thinking the random thing, like, did I leave his clothes in the dryer or washer? Like what, you know, it's like, seriously, Heather, go to bed. No one cares. Um, so Um, What are some common things that you find around kind of nutrition that can keep adults or babies up at night? And how do you recommend addressing them? Because when we talked about this, I was surprised, I have to say. Okay. So speaking of sugar, since we're already on that topic, sugar really contributes to inflammation in the gut. And we've, we've talked a bit about the gut um, skin. We talked about the gut brain connection, but there's also a very powerful one called the gut skin connection. They're literally the same cells. And so when there's trouble and inflammation in the gut, you can see it. It manifests on the skin. Your skin is a literal reflection of what's going on on the inside. So often I have moms with, with kids with eczema that is so scratchy. Their little ones are crying through the night. So mom's not able to sleep. And so that typically can be cleaned up with some dietary changes. Definitely look into a food sensitivity that might be exacerbating this. Um, but what's, what's helped um, is taking some fish oil and vitamin D there. I really love a brand called Nordic Naturals and they have very uh, age appropriate things that are very safe for any age you might, you might be um, finding issues with. Another one is constipation will keep kids up. I mean, that is no fun. That is very uncomfortable. And that can come from innumerable things like low, low hydration. Um, Maybe they're just picky and they're not having enough fiber, but you can find toddler friendly probiotics that have shown to be really, really 
helpful here. Um, safe for toddlers. I think there's one, there's one by Claire Labs. So any kind of supplementation, of course, is personalized. Make sure you go through a practitioner, but um, those are very, very common and, and easy to resolve. Just some, a, quick, a couple quick fixes there for sure. Definitely love that. Yeah, the prebiotics is, a, is one that my pediatrician, I think it was, I'm gonna say six months or a year, I can't remember. So don't quote me on it, anybody. But um, we started doing drops for both kids. Um, but that's a good reminder because I have stopped with Vaughn and everything's regular and fine, but I know it can be, it can benefit in so many ways. Um, even just out of like keeping things regular. Yeah, definitely. I actually had a client whose, whose doctor had advised her to give her little girl daily Miralax, which is, you know, laxative and the ramifications of that are not good because anytime you're taking something to help your body do something, your body's own ability decreases. So the smooth muscle that helps you poop, it goes like, oh, you know what? I don't really have to do my job because I have this other thing helping me. And so then that creates more of a dependency and a long-term issue. So trying trying to stay away from these pharmaceuticals as a crutch is really important if and when you can. Of course, there's room for them when needed. Totally. No, that's my philosophy too, is like natural way as much as possible until things maybe, you know, needing assistance in another way from just like whatever. Um, Okay. So are there any foods that you recommend for someone to avoid if they're having trouble sleeping? Yes, for sure. I think it's more about kind of the timing and the meal composition, because when you have the appropriate protein, fat, and fiber at an early dinner, that sets your body up for success. A lot of things need to happen. This whole sleep cascade needs to happen. And the sleep cascade um, gets disrupted if you have very processed sugary foods at night. It spikes all the things that should be going down. And conversely, it it decreases the things that should be spiking, like melatonin. The stuff that we want to help us sleep through the night gets interrupted with poor diet. So making sure, um, making sure you have that good concentration of protein, fat, and fiber, not eating too late, it's really, really, really important. And then the other things around sleep are creating that environment and that routine also having a cool temperature, that darkness, staying away from the light. All of those things really add up. One of them doesn't sound like it makes a big impact, but when you, cu- when you couple them all together, it's a big, big difference. Um, things like for, for moms, of course, this isn't for kids, but alcohol. So the reason we drink alcohol, right? We want to chill out. And what it does, it does exactly that. It decreases increases our glutamate, which is like that excitatory one that gets us all amped. Um, So it decreases that. And then it also increases our dopamine, which is like our chill pill. But then about two, three hours later, it has the opposite effect. So now ping goes our excitatory neurons and down goes our our chill pill. So that's kind of why you, you wake in the night with those anxious rambling thoughts. If you've had alcohol that night before. Or so why, and after a couple of glasses of wine, you were chill and then you're dancing on the tabletop because you know, everything flipped. <laughs> ding, ding, ding. There you go. Exactly. I was like, that's why people party in the club too long. Uh, <laughs> I, so one quick question on that. What do you consider not um, eating too late? 
Okay, so that I love to go with what, what's called TRF, time-restricted feeding, is what re resonates with me. And it, this is kind of dependent on, on, of course, your personal factors, those hormones we talked about in the beginning. But that's eating within a 12-hour window. Ideally, it's even less than that. But this whole philosophy is based on your evolution and your genes. And your genes that are responsible for eating, metabolism, digestion, they turn on when the sun goes up, they turn down when the sun goes down. So when you eat too late after the sun has gone down, your body isn't ready or primed to digest all of that. So the effects are twofold because now you get um, some lackluster digestion. Stuff's just sitting in there, fermenting, getting all nice and bubbly, going up, going down. Um, and then your body is having to work through that food. When it's doing that, it's not able to focus on producing sleep hormones and recovery and restoration and all of these things we want to occur during deep sleep. So that's, that's really it. It's all based on our evolutionary genes. I love it. Interesting. And so in philosophy with you of it's all about your environment. Like it's yeah. like not don't eat past 7 PM, which are some of those diets. It's more like, okay, stay within your window, which I love. Exactly. Um, cause it, also exactly. it just doesn't yeah. change everything up to, so dramatically. Like when you're trying to make these, these big changes for sure. And I'm all about kind of a sliding scale. It doesn't have to be seven to seven every day. Right. If, if for example, I have a really late meeting and then I didn't get to eat maybe then my meal was at eight. Well, then you just push that next morning till eight too. So it's a little bit of a sliding scale. It's very gentle. It's completely up to your own account. It always stays away from all things numbers, which is like my philosophy, no counting, no calories. Um, you can eat really what you want in that window and you're not ever thinking about calories or numbers or macros or anything, as long as you've got that meal composition that we talked about. Protein, fat, and fiber on the plate, that's perfect. I love it. Um, okay, let's do our favorite rapid fire. I know we do this with every one of your interviews. Let's do it. Um, okay. I think they've so, changed. <laughs> I know, I know. Well, yeah, we can't do the same ones. Um, all right, favorite ice cream. Okay, go-to is gonna be my Talenti pistachio for sure. However, we're getting subscriptions of Daily Harvest right now. And so they have a delicious chocolate one, which I think is actually better for me because I eat it slower, so. <laughs> <laughs> I love it. Uh, favorite dinner? It's gotta be high quality sushi. I love it. Load up the ginger, the wasabi. Locally, have you ever been in Kakarega? No, but I will still oh, have to try it out. I gosh. am a sushi. My husband, and I love sushi. Love, love, love it. It's um, it's one of the ones that had shut down during COVID, but now they are actually offering to go boxes, which are just outstandingly gorgeous too. They're, I mean, it's high quality. You're gonna love it. Oh, I can't wait to try it. Okay, best drink. Right now, since it's cold, I'd say a hot toddy. I love making a hot toddy with a really good chai tea. So that's, that's whiskey or bourbon and a little fresh lemon. During the summer, I like this really aromatic gin by Hendrix. It's called, oh, 
I think it's called solstice. So it's got all these really good aromatic compounds in it, which are good for you. So in terms of like drinking well, it's kind of the best way you can do it. But having some gin, a little soda water and some fresh citrus, like some grapefruit or something. That's my jam. I love that. Drink well. That's fantastic. (laughs) Um, Favorite nutrition hack? I have recently set up two different, I only had one subscription box from Thrive coming once a month. And since I'm always promoting variety, like mix up your nuts and your seeds, and that's how you get a good variety in your body. So now I've set up two boxes and in one box, it has a certain kind of like crackers and pasta. And in the next one, it has different crackers, nuts, seeds, and pastas. So I've taken the guesswork and the stress out of getting variety. It's now built in a different box comes every month. And I know I'm checking all the boxes of my variety needs. It's awesome. I love that. I think subscriptions are probably one of the best things for parents. I mean, I know there's definitely people out there that love cooking and it's our jam and they'll do it all day and they get that variety. in. but for some, you know, even just having a couple different meals coming to your doorstep or yeah. like a, um, imperfect foods or something where you're getting like different produce deliveries that you're not necessarily choosing and you have to work with, or I'm um, even daily harvest and stuff. It's so nice to have those things to, totally. to weave. So I love that. Totally. Um, the, the other one would be keeping a little toppings area. I think this ooh. one's so important. So toppings, you know, roasted nuts, seeds, and then a variety of herbs. So it'll spice up, it'll jazz up, and it'll create a little nutrition bomb for anything that might already be plain, like some good sauces, herbs, nuts, and seeds. Keep those on hand and you'll really elevate your meals. Love it. Um, This is just a a question I'm curious about. Do you need to chew your smoothie? An influencer, I won't name the name, said... um, that you have to chew your smoothie to get the digestion. Um, That's what I tell everyone all the time. Yes. Okay. I'm was like, it, you, was it me? No, <laughs> but I love it. So I was like, chew your smoothie. Okay. I was like, that makes sense to me, but I'm really curious about that. Yes. Okay. So like, like I said, when we were talking about that environment with your kids at dinner um, and having a distracted brain decreases digestion, right? So being present and mindful, that's when your digestion first begins. You got to think about the environment and your food. And then the second portion begins in your mouth, particularly for carbohydrates. We have an enzyme called amylase that's produced only when you chew. So when you have carbohydrates, which is really common in smoothies, like your fruits, it really sets you up for improved digestion if you chew it. Um, and then the third step is what we actually think of, and that begins in the stomach. So there's two steps before the stomach. Um, so I, this is where I'm talking about having those toppings. I always make sure that my smoothie is really thick and I top it with my chia, my hemp, my berries. And so that's what I'm chewing. I'm getting that activation of all those enzymes in my mouth. Okay. Debunked. You have to <laughs> chew your smoothie and top it. I love it. And think about it. Yes. Intentional eating people, intentional eating. And this is so amazing because like I'm all about like spirituality and mindfulness and the whole, you know, gut intuition side of it. And to have it flow back into nutrition is just like, okay. Finally, the science is backing up kind of like the Eastern approach to health. Now we know the gratitude, you can switch those neurons over, you know, all of these things are getting proven and backed up. So the, you know, the woo is worth it. 
The woo is here to stay and I freaking <laughs> love it. Um, okay. So just to wrap everything up, um, I'm sure that so many people want to know how to get in touch with you. So where can they find you? How can they work with you? Tell us a little bit about that side of it. All right. So I, you can always follow along. I, I do some fun stuff on Instagram. That's genetic underscore garden. I've got a website with the same address, genetic-garden.com. Um, and so through, through working together, I always set everybody up with a free discovery call. Every client begins with their own approach based on their goal, like we started the conversation with. And so it's, it's, a quick, it's a quick time to get to know each other, figure out a good plan of action together. The approach is very client-centric and a two-way street. So that's um, on my website and it's under work with me. So you can always book that free discovery call. And then coming up, I have, I will have just launched my new program called the Holistic Hormone Academy. So this is for every stage of fertility through pregnancy into early motherhood. It's about understanding those, the transitional changes that occur, namely hormones that are going on. It's about optimizing your body and your brain for every stage of that process. So it can be for women who have struggled with fertility before. We'll talk about all of those challenges like immunity and thyroid that can um, you know, disrupt or, or create things like infertility. Um, we will, yeah, we're going to cover everything. Every little stage, we'll talk about safe resources. Um, yeah, it's just, it's going to be great. It's a small group class. And so the, the most poignant thing is you're going to have up to 10 like-minded women who are at the same life stage of you. You'll have relentless support to ask questions and then you'll have women leaning on you. And that sense of reliance is just so profound. Um, so this community-based approach towards gaining body confidence through fertility, early motherhood and every stage between, um, I'm just so excited to help, help, um, make this come to life. I love it so much because I think when I was pregnant, there was such a lack of understanding and I didn't do a ton of like outside research of additional support, but I did ask a lot about supplements and, um, hormones and things like that. And I just felt like there wasn't the right resource to guide me through that. Um, and so I just love that you've put this together and I think it's going to be incredible. So, um, we will definitely share on social, um, just, you know, a little snapshot and a link so that people can get more information about that. Um, and thank you so much for being here today. I always love our talks. I learn so much. <laughs> and every time I leave, I feel so inspired to just get it done and like be healthier. And it's in a way that isn't overwhelming. It's just straight up like, yes. Like how we started the call. Like, Let's go. Yeah. Like I just, you know, I love it. So, uh, well, it's been more than my pleasure, Heather. Um, thank you again for having me. And if anyone has follow-up questions to anything, I mean, don't hesitate to reach out. I, I clearly love, love, love this stuff. So I'm here for you and any questions just you guys might have. Love it. All right, everyone. We will catch you in two weeks. And thank you. Thank you for tuning in. Thank you for joining A Space for Soul. If you like what you heard, don't forget to subscribe. Boop. Just hit that top button. <laughs> for more info on today's topics, visit soulspace.co slash podcast. That's S-O-L-S-P-A-C-E dot C-O slash P-O-D-C-A-S-T. 
You can also find me on Instagram at soulspace.co and catch me in two weeks here at the same time, same place where I will talk about entrepreneurship, motherhood, relationships, and figuring out how to get it all done while focusing on you in this crazy, crazy life of working and motherhood. I hope you are having an incredible day and I look forward to hanging out with you again in two weeks.